Uh, no, 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 no. These are the designers. I got it from a guy down in Kittery oh. who sold it to me for $50 and that. Were their names by any chance Dolce and Gabbana? No, not no? Dolce and Gabbana. No, okay. No. <laughs> As usual, Derek starts recording without telling anybody. How usual? <laughs> Welcome back to Starfire Society. Well, today we're going to talk about couches. And two guys. And two guys. But no, it's a it's an expensive couch that I got for cheap. And you can just sprawl on it. That's the best part. Was that a fake intro that you were doing, or were you actually? No. Was that actually, was that the intro? No. Uh, oh. Apparently, we're we're rolling, so that's cool. Yeah. Apparently, I'm just fucking checking levels here. Uh, so we're back sitting down with, uh, T. Elliot again, the mastermind behind, uh, Recoil Athletics Programming, and a host of other mastermind type yeah. things. Yeah, like Battleship and Risk. Have <laughs> <laughs> you seeing Battleship, but it's Battle Shots? Battleship. Yes. That sounds. That, that just looks good. like a really bad idea. Yeah. It's either that or you're gonna wake up. I mean, depending on how you do it, it could get very aggressive. It can get very aggressive. Like if you find the carrier, you might win the game just right off the bat. That's like what four, sometimes five, depending on. That's a lot of shots in a row. That is a lot of shots. And talking about the one where you just play battleship and you take shots for every hit, or the one that is a cross between battleship be and beer pong. Oh, okay. I was talking about the one that's like battleship that you just take shots for hits. It like literally is battleships with shop shot glasses on the back of them. Oh, I like the one that's battleship, but it's beer pong. The life size beer pong with the trash cans, the red, big like rubber trash cans, sounds pretty awesome. And you throw like a four square ball. I think we should do, do it at the gym, but use tires and a slam ball, and have to and throw it and like really shot far. put it yeah. into the. And then, like, it'd be breppy penalties instead of drinking. That would be cool. Yeah. That sounds like a great idea. You just need 12 tires and a slam ball. (laughs) (laughs) Well, like, yeah. Why is it every time I hear uh, somebody try to describe, like, a dodgeball or a slam ball, I immediately bring up the sound of that ball hitting my face when I was in it. Like that. <laughs> in that just cool. Yeah, like you, can't, you can't even like duplicate it. It's just like it has a certain sound. I know every single motherfucker listening to this podcast right now is bringing up that sound in their head as we're talking about it. Like everybody knows that sound unless you live uh, somewhere where they don't have dodgeballs and uh, in that case I feel sorry for you. Do they not play dodgeball in school anymore? I don't think they do. They Probably are not. very I so I took a phys ed class and uh, they're taking they're trying to get away from elimination games as much as possible. Oh, and if it is an elimination fuck. game, yeah, if it is an elimination game, they try to make it so you're quickly able to come back in and you being eliminated isn't a very big deal uh, with it. Like, it's like, oh, you got eliminated, but it doesn't really affect the flow of the game at all. So it's kind of like everybody gets a... Tr- it's like reverse everyone gets a trophy. Like, it doesn't matter if you're out. It's just okay. keep on playing? Yeah. Just okay. keep playing. I feel like uh, my whole life was an elimination game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, like, the strong in the highly competitive get no reward, and the kids that 
just like to get stepped on and don't try real hard, just it doesn't really matter. So it's they can a terrible be passive. Thing. Yeah. Terrible thing what we're doing to children these days. I feel like certain age limits, like you should do that. Like if you're playing with like a bunch of like kindergartners, like you should be like, you lose, go sit down. But like, I feel like after a year, like middle school, like people should lose. Yeah. Like in life. I think, I think you should, you should learn to lose like early on in life there. I mean, maybe kindergarten is excessive, excessive, yeah. but I mean, getting into like, and like elementary, like I remember actually. second grade playing red Rover. Grade two, playing Red Rover. You get clotheslined by the biggest Exactly. <laughs> Red Rover is yeah. basically a game of come over here so we can clothesline you. Yeah. <laughs> it's, Good luck. It's a voluntary... voluntary. You better jump into these up. arms because they're going for your face. <laughs> um, so uh, you guys had the BJJ experiment where um, Port City... Got a bunch of guys from Port City came on over and um, did a little bit of CrossFit. How true. That's, that's a true statement. Oh, we had a some, little bit of CrossFit. A little yeah. bit of CrossFit. <laughs> we ran it very similar to how a normal CrossFit class would work. I programmed the workout very much like I would program a recoil athletics workout where we take the higher skill movements that not that don't necessarily help in jujitsu and more of like a lower skill but high intensity relatively moderate to low weight workout and put them to the test and i think overall they liked it and also <laughs> in the way that the type of person that does jujitsu <laughs> likes that kind of thing you know what i mean like the same way I bet they felt the first day they walked into jiu-jitsu, they felt that about the first day of CrossFit. Like, wow, that really sucked. How do I make that not happen again? <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like it takes that kind of attitude. So like that, like, wow, if we were to, if I were to do that to, like, the regular population that isn't into working out and I would, we tried to make it that much intense, most likely they wouldn't even be able to get to that level of intensity that they did because they're used to pushing themselves and putting themselves in pain on purpose but like it's it would be hard to communicate to someone that that is a positive response that they're feeling and that is going to help them like the general public that does not exercise you would tell them that a high heart rate and like that cardiovascular pain i guess you could call it they would be like this is not good like this hurts my body i'm sore for three or four days you do that to somebody in jiu-jitsu and they're like wow i need to do this more and i think that was the overall reaction that a lot of the guys got on like how much it kicked their ass and how they realized that wow if I could make this not kick my ass imagine how much of a pace I could keep up in, on the mat I feel like it was a really big wake up call for those guys because a lot of them even though they are in like jujitsu shape but like once you get to a certain point in jujitsu you can kind of figure out how to control the pace and slow down what's going on and like where you can get into a position of rest and they didn't really have that pacing or any idea of where their rest was like <clears throat> just because I've been doing kind of those movements for a long time like I knew like so the workout was 20 calories on the assault bike 10 deadlifts 20 mat sit-ups and, and 10 burpees and like some like so I got probably most of my rest in the sit-ups, you know what I mean? Like where you can just sit up, do like 
sit-ups and that's like you know how like to keep moving but that's where you catch your breath and you go hard with everything else and those guys just went hard everywhere <laughs> but which, which is good because like in jiu-jitsu they should definitely pay especially if they're competing or something like that but in these type of workouts if you want to get further into your conditioning you kind of have to run into that brick wall like you kind of have to just go as hard as you can for as long as you can and then when you start dying just keep pushing through that limit if they started to get to the point where they were doing the strength and conditioning or CrossFit or whatever, and they were pacing it to where they weren't really out of breath, it would be the same as when they first came in jujitsu. It was a great workout. They got their ass beat. But then once they got really good, they, their heart rate doesn't even go above 100 because they're just very comfortable. You shouldn't be uncomfortable if you're strength and conditioning to get better at jujitsu, like better conditioning. Yeah, which they definitely weren't. They were not comfortable. <laughs> yeah, I could see <laughs> some white and green faces. Some the assault some bike was the, was the most hilarious thing ever. Because like even like so people like you see like an assault bike and you think it's just like and I don't have much experience with like a, a just a regular airdyne, but I feel like they look at an assault bike and you're like oh it's just an airdyne. I think everyone looks at it like oh it's like pedaling a bike a stationary bike. It's not it's not too bad. And then, <laughs> but like the fact that they didn't understand that, like the and a lot, I think a lot of people don't understand this, and I didn't re until recently that it, that it rewards the wattage, not the RPMs. Right. So you can get the RPMs going up pretty high, and if you not have the wattage high, you're gonna be on that thing for fucking ever. Yeah. So like that was like one of the things that they like, even like Tyler, who was like probably the only person I've ever seen not get tired doing shit. And like, it seemed like he wasn't tired. Like out of all the guys that came, he was the least tired of all of them. Uh, like he just was on that assault bike forever because he was going for the RPMs and not yeah, the water. trying to like pace it and be under control. And, <laughs> and then just like, so like every time we got, so we kind of had a little competition going between him and I. And I'd just get on the assault bike and fucking spin the wattage up as far as I could. And, like, granted, like, it, I thought my lungs were going to explode, but I was on it for, like, 20 seconds instead yeah. of 20 minutes like the rest of them yeah. were. <laughs> yeah, it felt like they were on it for 20 minutes. Right. Which was hilarious. And then, like, the other thing, like, I look over and George and Trevor, who are not tall people anyway, had, like, the seat on, like, zero. So, like, yeah, if you're small <laughs> and light on the assault bike, it doesn't care. It just right. hates you. It's like, good luck, little guy. Go ahead and spin the wheels, but like a bigger guy, anything above 200, you can get that thing going, and it's like not as hard. I mean, it still really sucks, but it's not like as punishing if you're like 150 or 130. Well, then I thought the other impressive thing was Trevor, he was like, <laughs> he said, told me he woke up, and it was like his third workout of the day because he went and swam laps and then did jujitsu and then came to work out with us. But he was like, I woke up and I weighed 137 pounds this morning, and then he did deadlifts at 155 pounds, four four rounds of ten. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, so, he's a beast. Well, I think uh, assault bikes are cruel to anybody across the board, unless you're Bobby Maximus or something like that. I mean, the or rower can be the same way, except the rower you get. Resting on the rower is advantageous to like continue rowing quickly. Like you need to take a break. Like just yanking on it faster and faster doesn't reward you. Whereas the assault bike, the more you put into it, the more it gives you. And if you kind of just like go real fast and then try to coast, 
it doesn't it just stops counting for you like it's like I don't I don't care but with the rower nice strong pull relax recover nice strong pull that could be a very fast pace or a faster pace than someone just like pull 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 and like barely using their legs and really just getting the repetitions in that that makes it I'm that not doesn't reward that I'm not an expert in endurance sports by any means like for my least like I'm not an endurance athlete at all uh but I feel like the assault bike is better if you want to get a, like, it's almost like a sprint workout. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, you get on there and you just go as hard as you can, take a short amount of rest as you can, and go as hard as you can again. Where a rower is, like, more for, like, marathoning stuff. Like, almost like that. Like, instead of a cardio fatigue, you're looking for almost a muscular fatigue I feel yeah. like. You know what I, mean? I mean, yeah, I, I would agree with that. I feel I like I get, can do both, right. but we use the assault bike mostly for like the wind sprints and the interval training and the rowers usually for like a distance or a time. I was going to say, I feel like I get more of a workout with a rower if I'm on it for a long time and I get more of a workout with a assault bike if I know I'm not going to be on it for a long time. Yeah, right. I mean, just doing sprints on an assault bike compared to sprints on, on, on a rower is like totally different beast. I mean, you could do like really, really short little intervals on an assault bike and short little intervals on a rower. The rower is probably gonna like uh, kind of uh, use more explosive nature because it really is like when you break it down, it's it's very much very close to like a a jumping position mm-hmm. as opposed to an assault bike where it's just like you're using your entire body yeah. uh, to to do that. Um, which is, I mean, and, and when it comes down to, like, using a rower for a short distance as opposed to long distance, it's like you use two different forms. Uh, I mean, like, long distance, you are doing those, like, big pulls and then relax and then come back. A big pull, relax, come back for, like, a long period of time. But a short interval, it's going to be, like, a very big explosive, like, I mean, like, you're just going hand to get it done. And you could have two different types of form, whereas an assault bike... There's, there's, a, just there's really only one yeah. form. <laughs> yeah, there's not much coaching the assault bike other than the extreme head head bob weave, whatever Muhammad Ali. <laughs> you know, I, I feel like I feel like a lot of people also get on the assault bike and they like try to put their head down and push into it. And, well, they like, tuck their chin right. and like breathe at their belly button. It's like how is it? Try to breathe like that just normally. Right. Like tuck your chin and look at your belly button and take a bunch of deep breaths. Like. How does that feel? <laughs> right. Well, technically speaking, like for so for the more the the the, ma- the majority of people that are going to be using the assault bike, like it does, it's going to pay off a lot more for you uh, to have your head up. I, I actually I I picked up this cue from Elliot, uh, like because I remember him saying, it was like, hey, how does it feel like breathing when your head's down like that?" And I was like, "Oh shit, <laughs> I'm an idiot." So. I, I definitely picked up that cue from Elliot one one time, but as far as like the jujitsu guys, because you have to protect your neck a little bit sometimes, and because you have to work while having having that uncomfortable position, sometimes that might actually like benefit training than anything. What do you guys think about that? I feel like those guys are just used to being so uncomfortable anyway that they don't know. Like, there's a better position. There's a better position to be in. You know I mean, they just kind of get into a position like, all right, I can operate for a long time from here. You know what I mean? Rather than be like, what is the most advantageous position to be in? You know what I mean? Like, I feel like they just they they accept 
like the position they're in and they're like, all right, we're just going to go from here. You know what I mean? We're going to see what we can do from here. Right. I think um, when we're talking specifics on like strength and conditioning and then jujitsu, I don't think you should like necessarily mix them. Whereas when you're doing the strength and conditioning, don't try to like add in jujitsu moves into your, your strength and conditioning. So some people would be like, oh, it'd be a good idea to like do some sprints on the assault bike and then roll for a couple minutes and then do some deadlifts and roll. I really feel like that would be a recipe for injury or just like bad combination training. And I think when you do your strength and conditioning, you should be focused on like your high heart rate and your strength and all that stuff and trying to be in the best position you can. And then when you do jujitsu, you take that strength and conditioning and then apply it completely to um, your jujitsu. So in other words, don't wrap a gi around your neck. Don't uh, like and get on a slope. Yeah, don't like don't do CrossFit in a gi. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Although I feel like if so, I wouldn't suggest wearing a gi to do any kind of strength and conditioning. <laughs> it's, it's like it's like wearing a fucking pleather suit. Yeah. You know what I mean? But I feel like um, like maybe like doing like. Like getting really tired on a salt bike and then going over a mat, and as long as the person that you were doing the your drills with knew that they weren't they were just there as a body, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then going over jujitsu, like oh, so like I see a lot of wrestlers like in high level wrestling rooms, like they'll ride an assault bike and then get off the assault bike and then go like drill takedowns where, but the other person isn't resisting at all. So mm-hmm. it's like you're just it's almost like. You're so tired that your technique has to be perfect. So you're not doing... Yeah, I would agree with that. I meant more of like doing like box jumps and then do like a higher skill strength and conditioning movement and then right into... And then like bouncing back and forth. But like just doing something to make you fatigued and then going and doing it, I think think would be fine. But if you just did your strength and conditioning and then went and did jujitsu, I feel like you would be tired. You know what I mean? You're not... You're rarely going to start a match getting off a bike and then competing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, the, uh, well, I tell, like, so on two days a week, I go and do strength and conditioning first. And then I have like a two or three hour break in between mm-hmm. and then go do jujitsu. The days I don't do that and just go to jujitsu. I feel like a superhero. <laughs> <laughs> like literally like, it's like, it's the biggest game changer ever. Um, I've seen a lot on uh, social media uh, people uh, doing things in gym that are they're basically like jujitsu moves in gym, but they're doing it around like uh, uh, inanimate objects. Like um, I don't know what you call those things. I think it's like a bozu ball, where it's like a half moon of one of those like like big bouncy balls. Mm-hmm. And what they're doing is they're just practicing moving around that, moving around that ball. Like there, there's even like companies that have made, Derek can probably uh, fill us in on this, but there's even companies that have made like these big rubber dummies where you can like scoot around it. Like you go, go, go into half guard and then go into mountain, just switch yourself around over and over again. And, but like people are doing that in on like a, a plyo ball. And, and moving around, getting used to just being quick on your feet and moving around something that's just there. Well, I think, like, even, like, if you... I think that's, like, an advantage of someone who is doing gymnastics training or something like that. Like, being able to move around efficiently at a, at a high rate, like, say, like, a pommel horse or something like that. 
and un but also being fatigued is going to just give you that much more of an advantage, you know what I mean? Like, knowing how to move proficiently while being fatigued is, you know, like, that's what kind of doing jiu-jitsu and grappling is all about, you yeah. know? I, th I think it is important in your, in anybody's training to, to, to know how to move under fatigue and know how to control your movements under fatigue. Just like, I mean, Olympic weightlifters, they lift until, like, they're fully exhausted and then their best lifts come mm -hmm. from when they're exhausted. Yeah. Um, so... I, I feel like, uh... I don't know how to articulate this intelligently. Um, I feel like there's something about like being tired that is beneficial. You know what I mean? Like, um, so like one of the things like, so when I stayed private lessons a lot, we used to roll at the beginning of the private lesson. So then when you were doing technique, you weren't muscling or using your physical gifts to accomplish. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I think some I'm raising people... my hand. I'm like I'm a total culprit of, uh, of, right. of using too much strength. Because then, when, then when you do have your strength, or even like flexibility, you know what I mean? Like flexibility is a physical gift that you can rely on that isn't necessarily going to help your technique at all. You know what I mean? Because you can almost cheat using it. And I feel like a lot of people do that. So being, there's something you said about getting tired and then doing these technical things, you know what I mean? Yeah, but like tired in the sense of like a good tired, not the like anxious or overtrained state where like the potential for injury, like you're just saying like, like a, a slight fatigue or like not an optimal state almost like you worked out like you said you work out prior in the day and then you eat something take a little break and then you're necessarily tired but you're not like exhausted or anything like that where it's just like you're just not mentally there like you have a foggy mind like i wouldn't train during that time but like just a, a more tired i guess it's hard to say a specific word because we we throw around tired and overtrained and exhausted kind of all different ways that if you're truly overtrained, you shouldn't be you shouldn't be training. But a lot of people use the word like overtraining or exhaustion as just like saying that they're tired or slightly fatigued. You know what I mean? So I think just to to clarify, just like slightly fatigued or not in an optimal state, not necessarily exhausted. Yeah, I mean, it it probably would help. Like especially, I mean, I know I can I can say from from my point of view. I learn more when I'm, I've I've put in some work. I'm sweating and like I'm winded. And I'm, and, I'm, I'm yeah. winded. I'm a little bit tired. I'm not exhausted. I'm not overtrained. I'm just a little bit tired. I'm going to use way less percentage of my of my physicality than I would if I was just fresh out of the box. Right. Um, I mean, the coach said to me the other day, he's, he's, he's like, your greatest strength is your greatest weakness. He's, he's like, because you can muscle around these guys, <laughs> I can not muscle around like a larger percentage of the people in the, in the, in the jujitsu academy because of my size and my strength. But it's also playing as a defeat because I'm not learning how to do those techniques really, really well. I'm doing half techniques. So stop using muscles, kids. 
unless you're already proficient, then do the recoil athletic strength and conditioning and then inflict exactly. so much of your conditioning on someone else. I just saw a thing. Um, so I don't know how I should just ask them how they're involved. But like, so the show your old guys, I really po- push this, uh, this blog called All Day BJJ. And you can like follow them on Instagram and Facebook. And it's like a blog where like, I don't know how often they update it, but they write like a blog about what's going on in jiu-jitsu and they had a post on Instagram and it was Dave Camarillo who is like quite possibly one of the best jiu-jitsu instructors in the world. He's a judo black belt, jiu-jitsu black belt, trained at Half Gracie for a long time. He was like an alternate on the Olympic team, was in like a uh, judo national champion, stuff like that. And he just recently got into lifting weights, like, and he's in his 40s now. Mm-hmm. And uh, is like, the thing was, is weight training essential for jiu-jitsu? And he was like, no, but if you add strength to your technique, your technique will be more devastating than you can even imagine. So, like, it's, like, one of those things where, like, as long as the technique is there, the strength is only going to be a strength. You know what I mean? So it was pretty cool. I think it's cool how that's kind of coming around. Well, I mean, if, I, I think that might even apply to so many things across the board, where it's just, like, if you are... Uh, if you are weak and just like the first thing you learn is technique and you you like don't use any strength whatsoever and you just use technique 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 and then you start building that strength on top of that it becomes this unstoppable uh force as opposed to you being have super to use strong your strength and, and right. just kind of like or relying on your strength right? yeah relying on your strength it does like this like so much, i don't know if it was like a viewer question or whatever but same guy dave cameron they asked him like because he's a big video game player too so like which is like the weirdest like combination of things to do with your spare time but uh he was like so say you had to create a character in an rpg game that was a jujitsu player like how would you allot your skill points to and it was like a, you had 10 skill points like to technique strength and speed and he's like well obviously technique gets the most amount of so it was like you give it uh i forget how many what but it was like more than half like six two and two or something no but i think it ended up being five three and two oh. because he was like you all you want to be stronger than you are fast because speed is a finite skill because eventually it leaves, and usually speed only gets you in trouble. He's like, where if you're strong and your technique is good, he's like, obviously, if your technique is better than everybody's, you're just going to be more skillful anyway, and then your strength will be able to dictate. You'll be able to pin someone and hold them down and stay in a position for as long as you want instead of having to move from that position as fast as possible. He's like, so so speed is the, the least valuable skill to have you want technique strength and then skill yeah i mean look at uh, look at jared the dude's got a neon belly that's awful and he's how much soaking wet yeah i feel like though that he's also like he's super quick to get there so i guess like you're right like he's super technical and when he gets into a position he's super strong there but he gets into those positions really fast yeah I, I, my, my emphasis is more on, like, he knows exactly where to put his knee right. and, like, where to pull from and, and how to position as opposed to, like, I mean, say somebody that was bigger and muscular, they're going to be using a lot of strength to try to get into that position, and they may not have it 
their knee might be like slightly lowered, whereas G- Jared's knee on Billy's. Right, right in the spot. <laughs> right where it needs to be to make you throw up. Yeah, I feel like, well, and that's something that, like, maybe I should be talking to Elliot about and, like, the program that we're doing. I mean, it's a good segue to talk about what we're doing, but I feel like a couple of things, because I've been doing Elliot's been programming, and we're, we're going to put it out, and it should be up any day now, on the Recoil website, recoilathletics.com, a strength and conditioning program. We've talked about it a couple of times, but I've been doing it for, uh, I want to think I'm on day 30 or something like that. Um, and it's, I usually try to do it three days a week. I was doing it four, but I feel like between the volume and the workouts and then just like for my own rest days and things like that, I've been, I've scaled it back to three and I feel like I'm getting a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of good results out of it, but I feel like, and I, this could just be only to me, I feel like. I am not dealing with speed well anymore. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I feel like I'm slowing down a lot. But I've also, in the past two years, gained 20 pounds. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I feel, and I'm way stronger than I was before, and I've put on a ton of size. But, like, I feel like, and it could be because I'm getting older, too. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just not dealing, or someone starts fast and they keep the speed up, I'm having a hard time catching up. And it could be a technique thing, too. But with the, uh, you could also think of it as now that you, because before you were doing strictly CrossFit and Jiu-Jitsu and kind of like doing the higher skill movements, but now that you're doing the sun programming, you're also doing it by yourself. Right. And a lot of times, if you are inexperienced with strength and conditioning and you're doing it by yourself, sometimes the coaching cues or the perceived level of intensity can kind of diminish. Right. So if there's not a coach there and you're doing something wrong and no one sees you doing it wrong and you just keep doing it, you you can't you might not be able to go faster or you might start out really fast and be like this isn't what we're looking for. You went way too hard on this piece and then you had nothing left for the actual speed part of the workout. Just all that stuff. So that's that's where just like a coach or working out with other people, you'd be surprised on how fast you think you're going and then when you work out with like a group of people that you may be fitter than just the energy in the room will get you moving so much faster. So I think if you are going to do the strength and conditioning program, try to get try to get a coach or kind of compare your time. Hopefully we'll have like some type of blog or something so you guys can compare your time to other people's to see if you're hitting that intensity where if I put something for like five rounds and you're like, oh, it took me 32 minutes and everyone else is posting like 15, 14, 12, I got this in 13, you know, stuff like that. You're like, okay, what did I do wrong? Was the weight too heavy for me? Or was I just thinking that I was supposed to be breathing comfortably this whole time? Stuff like that. So I think that's might be a reason why you dealing with high intensity speed all the time might be, might start getting you in trouble. Yeah. I mean, I feel like it's got less to do with the actual programming and more to do with the physical changes that I'm going through, to be honest with you. Because, like, I feel, like like I said, especially the days that I'm not doing strength and conditioning where I am have a full a rest full period, tank. you know what I mean, and a full tank, like, I feel great, but I'm just not, like, I'm not used to almost carrying around as much weight as I've gained 
because of lifting weights, you know what I mean? And it's something I have to adjust to, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like it's definitely, it's, it's probably more a personal thing than it is a result of the programming, you know what I mean? And when you are doing this programming, especially in the beginning, if you haven't been following a strength and conditioning or this is a lot more intense or more volume, you're going to be slower for a while and it's going to take you a while for your right. body to adapt. So you're going to be going to jujitsu and getting beat by people that you can normally just edge out or beat easily. You're going to have a harder time because your, your tank's not going to be as full. You're not going to be moving as fast. But then the moment where you take a rest day or two and come in, they better watch out because you're going to be you're going to be ready to go. I've had a ton of people comment on how strong I feel though, like when I'm grappling with them, which is huge because like I feel like for a long time, and I've, I have like I said, I've gained a bunch of weight, and I probably should start thinking about now figuring out how to start taking some weight off, like some unnecessary weight. So probably start switching up my diet and things like that, and and try to lose a few pounds to maybe get down a weight class or two because I'm in the heaviest weight class right now and I'm still probably one of the smaller guys there mm -hmm. but everyone has said how I feel a lot stronger and I feel like for a long time no matter what weight class I was in I was never um the strongest guy or just physically imposing in whatever weight class I was in because I wasn't doing any weight lifting at all and I feel like that's that's changed a lot. I'm more, I'm especially doing this, and it could be just a mental thing, but I'm definitely way more confident in my strength, not just my technique now, which is awesome. It's an awesome feeling to have. How was the overall like feedback from everyone? I didn't really get to talk to. Like there was a little bit of a Facebook thread of everybody being like. I ate so much this <laughs> day, the whole day or whatever, but like a few days after, you hadn't talked to them. Have you? Yeah, so I feel like a lot, I feel like one of the awesome things that, um, and we talked about this kind of while class was going on, is like we walked them, or Elliot mostly walked them through a cool down afterwards, and we did some, we rolled out on the foam roller a bunch and did some smashing and things like that, which I think really took down the, the soreness they were going to have and things like that. So a lot of those guys were like, oh no, I feel really good. Except for like, I'm really still really tired. You know what I mean? So they weren't, none of them were like, oh, I'm so sore. I can't do anything, mm -hmm. which I think was, and maybe they didn't realize that, that that's why they weren't so sore is because they did like a proper cool down, cool down. And, and, and things it like was that. An appropriate workout. Anyone can program a workout to just crush you. You can right. be like, oh, you know, 500 cleaning jerks at 225. See you tomorrow. You know what I mean? Right. Like, that would crush anyone. You know what I mean? But they were like, yeah, so like they felt good, but they were still like three days later, still like tired. Like, oh, I've been sleeping so good and like <laughs> everything. So like, they and got, I, they got the doms. Right. And I, I feel like, um, but like I said, I think it was, it was a wake up call. Like a lot of those guys are trying to get into or thought they were in competition shape for, because they have a lot, like a Nogi Pan Ams is coming up in October in, in New York. So a lot of those guys are going to do that. And they're like, oh, yeah, I feel like I'm in pretty good shape. And then they get on the salt bike and shift the bed real fast. And yeah, kind within of like two minutes. Like it was, I was, I actually asked Eric if like maybe we should stop some of the way through because there was definitely some like, I was like, guys, it's been like seven minutes or five minutes. You've rolled very intensely for a lot longer than this. Like keep it going. And they were like, one or two rounds in and they were just like what is happening to my body like <laughs> you could just tell they were they were in a lot of trouble very quickly so well and i think the other thing too is like you know my job at the academy is to teach them jujitsu and uh i try to like to cue them in like yeah you know you guys should be like you know eating right and things like that so i think a lot of those guys showed up like maybe not eating that day 
at all yet and maybe not drinking enough water. And so not only was it a wake-up call of the possibility of ever being that tired from whatever they were doing, but also that how much all that other stuff affects how you feel during like high output. CrossFit will not lie to you. If you drink the night before, if you have like something that doesn't jive with your body, that type of intensity, you definitely feel it and your results, either your results or your just overall feeling. You may get the same or similar score, but it will be way harder to get there. So I have questions like kind of about that now that we're talking about that. Like, so there's definitely days where I go in and I'm like, like either just because of inconvenience or which is like a piss poor fucking excuse, but um, just for whatever the different scenarios, like either I haven't drank enough water or I haven't eaten enough that day, and then I go in and still do my strength and conditioning and feel like crap and don't maybe do as well even during strength and conditioning or rolling jujitsu, do you feel like going in and still getting the work done, even though you're not getting a good score, is beneficial? Or are those days where you're like, or or is it? At what point is it diminishing returns for not getting the you know what I mean the, the essential doing all the other stuff besides the actual work? Yeah, and that's a really good question, and that is a I think there's a very fine line. I think if it's happening to you consistently throughout the week, it's probably an overtraining or like something isn't right. Either your diet's not right, you're not getting enough sleep. But if it's like you've been hitting it hard all the time, and then you're just having like a a pouty day and you're just like, or you had a stressful day, you should probably push through it. But if you're like, wow, this is like my fifth training session where I'm coming in and taking forever and like not really wanting to put weight on the bar or like attack the workout, that is when you need to take a step back and maybe stop working out still, either still do your jujitsu or stop doing your jujitsu and do your strength and conditioning until you start to feel that like want to work out. If you're not like, if you're not sitting there and you're like thinking about like, oh, I'm excited to get to the gym or like I need, to, I want to do this workout, you probably should just take it easy and stuff like that. But like one day, every once in a while, like everybody has, has bad days and everything. And depending on your circumstance, if you're like coming up to a really high level competition and you need to maintain and you need to stay on this track, then you're going to need to tough it out and really like burn the candle at both ends. But if you're just doing it for like lifestyle and just trying to get stronger and you know, all that stuff. I would say take more rest days than, you know what I mean? If you feel consistently bad, you know, tone it down. Take a couple pieces out of the workout. Just feel good, especially if you're, like, getting injuries and you're not competing. You're just trying to be healthy and strong. Like, just, you know, rest up and just eat. Try to focus more on, like, the diet or what you're doing outside. Get an extra an hour of sleep or one less Red Bull or whatever you need to do or try to stand up and stretch. Use that time to, like shut down and, and cool down instead of just being like constantly stressing about like, oh, I should be ramped up right now. I should be hitting it hard, but I'm not. And then all day you're thinking, I'm not where I need to be. I'm not where I need to be. Instead of being like, okay, today isn't, I just, I don't have it today. Let's just like, let's just chill out. Let's just like, cool. and then tomorrow I'll hit it hard. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I agree with that uh, completely. I mean, one one thing that I could add to that is is if if I mean if you feel like you have to go into the gym and you and you just need to like do something like you're just you're you are worn down you're you're kind of exhausted. Um, it's I mean instead of going home to lay on the couch and watch a movie or something like that, maybe even like 
take, I mean, spend like five minutes on a rower or a light, light assault bike and then do mobility wad. And sometimes it clicks. Like you're like, I don't feel like it. I'm not going to work out. You jump on that bike and you're just going at like a conversation pace, like nothing. And then all of a sudden it's like five minutes later and you're like, you're, you're going faster and you're like, I'm feeling all right. All right. I'm ready to go. Like the system just was a little bit too slow and sluggish and then it kicks on and you're ready. But on the other side of the coin, if you're like, all right, I really need to hit it. And you hop on the bike for five minutes and you're like, today is not, it's not happened today. Then just, yeah. you know, go Roll, to the beach. Stretch. I feel like also one thing that's kind of overlooked and it's one thing that I um, have been playing with, with the programming that Elliot has done is um, playing with how, how much time you're spending warming up. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people that like, that's the warm up is just like, way over their head and like they don't even really think of it there's no thought put in the one whatsoever i mean that's something like and that's one thing that like elliot and i talked about was like how much time i should spend, be spending in the gym because i was like oh, i don't have a lot of time and like i need like an hour but like i've been spending an hour and a half two hours in the gym like just like getting in there and kind of getting acclimated you know changing up getting in there you know getting some water in me and then gradually getting that that central nervous system firing and, and, and loosening up things like that. And I feel like the more I do that, the better my workout goes. Like kind of easing into it rather than just like, all right, let's start and go. You know what I mean? And I feel like that's one thing that, especially as I get older, has been huge. You know what I mean? Yeah. That that warm-up period and like kind of getting the wheels greased and moving kind of at a moderate pace and then really going can kind of change the way that whole workout goes. Yeah, especially with age, I think it would be more important for you to just like, oh man, I only have an hour, but I normally take like 40 minutes to warm up and everything, and then I only have like 20 minutes, and then I need to cool down. I think if you're older, like 30 plus, 35 plus, maybe warming, especially if you're a little beat up, warming up really well, getting all the tissues ready to fire and everything, and then hitting one piece of it really well, and then properly cooling down. And then waiting until the next time where you have plenty of time and you're you're feeling really good to hit everything would probably be better than to just be like, all right, I got to kind of like half-ass this five-minute warm-up. Oh, my elbow's kind of kind of you know creaky right now, but I'm just gonna do it because this is what's on the paper, and I'm just gonna run it in. I think when you're young, you can kind of just buffer that type of thing, and you're just like it's whatever. Like I did three cleans with the bar, I'm ready to go. But I've noticed now that just hitting that quality and just doing a really good warm up and cool down and and getting your strength in your strength doesn't drop off as fast as you would think your conditioning and speed might a little bit but like your strength lingers around for a while right. it takes a really long time to just like get weak you know right. what i mean uh so the other question i have and we've talked about this with some other people like if you're doing strength and conditioning for something else like you're using kind of that crossfit men, men, uh, methodology or mentality or whatever or system for strength and conditioning for something else what is the correct like i was like i'm not sure when i do it all the time if i should just be making it suck as bad as i possibly can or is there something to be like like during the metcon like should i be pacing it 
a little bit. You know what I mean? Like whatever, whatever. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like so, you, like so. The difference between doing strength and conditioning, doing CrossFit for strength and conditioning, and doing or, CrossFit for sport. Yeah, CrossFit for sport. You know what I mean? Obviously, in the sport, there's a strategy to it, and, yeah. and, and you want to win regardless. Of, if it, if you don't even get a good workout in, but you win, like obviously that's what you want to do. Right. The least amount of effort with the max benefit or whatever. But um, I think the recoil programming and everything mentality is we're going to go really hard on the simple and effective workouts so like your assault bike intervals you need to like be exhausted and like as hard as you possibly can every single time that's going to be mental and physically challenging but the higher skill or like the heavier movements you need to be careful and pace those and be ready and successful with those like the if you're doing like back squatting and everything Great if you can do 435, but I would much rather you do 400 with really good form and just not that everybody can just squat 400 pounds, but just an example of like you you can't impress someone that's programming for you because if you just like, oh, I hit a huge number on this and it's like, well, what did it look like? Especially if like CrossFit or strength and conditioning isn't your thing and you weren't in a competition doing it like, oh, I did this one weight to win. Sure. Yeah. Great job. Like. But if you're like consistently training and you're doing these shitty forms just to get five pounds more than everybody else on the blog, like you're doing yourself a disservice. You need to be like, look how well I squatted this hundred pounds. Like it is like a perfect squat. Like that's awesome. That's what you should be doing. So like, for example, I think yesterday I went and did a workout and the, uh, oh no, it's Friday. Um, whatever, neither here nor there, whatever day it was. Um, but uh, I think it was like, I can't remember what the rep scheme was, but it was power cleans, dips, GHD, and run. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And like, I probably like could have like done it a lot faster, mm-hmm. but it was like, I didn't want to like, A, hurt myself, you know what I mean, whatever, but like taking a breath so that I could do like bigger sets of things like like should you just be trying to hit the wall as fast as possible or is it and like it, being no. able to maintain a pace through the workout no so depending on like the time domain especially if it's like a a workout that's going to take you around 15 or 20 minutes you don't just like hit the wall and then drag your face on the ground for the next 18 minutes if it's a really short workout and a lot of times we'll I'll note like as fast as possible and that will kind of hint to like this is a sprint type workout and then the other one you want to pace it to where you're right on that line of like this really sucks and I can keep going so like say you had the power cleans and there were 10 and you were like, I could probably get 10, but maybe I would like hit the wall or red line or whatever. Maybe like two sets of quick sets of five and then go for a run where the pace of the run is like, is difficult and you're not in a comfortable place, but you're not like coming back from the run and just like waiting and standing next to the barbell. Like I have to come all the way down before I can even think about lifting the bar. We want that heart rate to like come up and then stay up for a while and just get your body used to dealing with that. So uh, so the rep scheme was, I remember this workout now perfectly. It was um, <laughs> 21, 15, 9. So I did yeah. three sets of seven, three sets of five, three sets of three. on, mm-hmm. And it was everything. Dips, uh, power cleans, dips, GHD, and then a 200-meter run. So like I just tried to like keep that and not, like, so did my, my set of whatever, seven, five, three, whatever take a couple deep breaths mm-hmm. and then get right back in the bar and do it. Is that appropriate or should it be like go until I can't go anymore? Take a, No, no I, I mean, think like, that's an appropriate uh, scaling thing of where you're, you're hitting 
pretty decent sized chunks in the right. sets of taking those numbers out. Maybe the three sets of three when you're at the nine, maybe try to do like a six and a three or like try to take all nine of those out just to like speed it up and hit that final kick. Right. But usually by that time, if you do it right and seven, three sets of seven is right on that line, and then you may need to only, you may only be able to do three sets of three to get that. Like if right. you're at that level and it's just like that intense, maybe you did do it perfectly. Like a perfect scale, in my opinion, when you're finishing a workout, is like it's really hard to stand up and walk around. You know what I mean? If you're, if you kind of like finish the workout and kind of drop the barbell and look at the clock and you like walk over and you're like, oh, that was a pretty good workout. Maybe you didn't go as hard as you need needed to, depending on depending on the workout. Especially if it's a workout not for time, you should be ending the workout standing up. But you also shouldn't be finishing a workout where the time cap ends and you're like nowhere close and you're on the ground just dying and you didn't do any part of the workout. Like it was just like you hardly got like one or two rounds into like a multi-round workout. I feel like if I know other people who do any kind of combat sport, whether it's wrestling, judo, jiu-jitsu, even if you're an MMA fighter, like I think that's going to be a big thing that needs to continue to be reiterated is like, you know, you're not trying to hit the wall as fast as possible. Right, you know like I mean? that whole hit, hit the wall and then just drag. Like that only works for a while, but like eventually you're really just not getting as good as a workout as you could be. Right. It's just like well, anything, I would say a workout, anything over like two minutes, you should probably be thinking about how you could pace it. If it's like a, a workout where it could end at like two minutes and 30 seconds or like two minutes exactly, that's like, Go as hard as you can and then just try not to die for as long as you can. Do you think there's something to the um, thought of comparing or doing a comparable workout to the amount of time like a, a match is or a round is? You know what I mean? Yeah. Because I feel like, so in jiu-jitsu it's five minutes for blue uh, white belt six minutes for blue belt, seven minutes for purple belt, eight minutes for brown belt, and ten minutes for black belt. And then when you're a master's, it's just six minutes mm-hmm. for everyone. Um, but then there are, like, other, some other competitions where, like, the time... And, I mean, I guess, like, it would all be varied on what you were getting ready for, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But, like, so the sound, like, I did a tournament last year or the year before, I can't remember, where it was four-minute rounds, where, like, I could go so hard for four minutes, you know what I mean? Like, is there something to be said for, and not that we're going to program for this, but just in generalities, like, is there something to be said for figuring out how long those rounds are and how hard you can go in the round, you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. So that's kind of where, so where this recoil programming is, is just for people to kind of, like, start... uh, training strength and conditioning but that's where individualized programming would come into play where the farther you are away from competition that's when you're playing for the say you're doing four minutes or or ten minutes you're like okay we're going to do a piece where we're going hard for six minutes so you can feel good and then just kind of like burn it out for two extra minutes and then be able to do a bunch of minute sprints and just varying a bunch of different time domains and then the closer you get to the competition the closer you're just nailing that exact four minutes of where you can you like you said go hard for exactly four minutes maybe a little bit longer and that's where like the highest peak is right there where instead of being like I could understand a thought would be, oh, I can go hard for 20 minutes, so a four-minute match will seem so easy. But in reality, you may think you're going hard for 
for 20 minutes, but your arc is much is much lower than if you bring that down and closer to very specific, then you can get a very high peak in that, that four-minute domain. So that's where individuals are like, hey, I have a competition coming up. It's going to be two five-minute rounds. I need to get really good at hitting five minutes hard, resting an hour or two hours, and then under five minutes, or I just need really hard five minutes. And then it's like, how far are you out? Oh, I'm like eight months out. Okay, well, let's work on all these different domains. And okay, I'm, I'm two months out. Let's start Let's start working that five minutes. Could you do something like, um, much like, uh, like Ben Bergeron's beep test, where you have like the these like these set like there's like was it like three different exercises that you have to like complete in the, in in a certain amount of time, and it's just like you have these time frames, or it's just like how long can you go through through this? So it's like you have a very set. Um, set like benchmark workout where the person would say you would say like okay you're white belt you have to do five minutes so just like okay you start off at like with this certain workout the benchmark and like how many rounds can you do in this five minutes mm -hmm. and work out for a while like do do some program for a while and come back to that and be able to program like the different minutes like so Derek would do something like he would have to do 10 minutes of as many as many rounds as, as he possibly could yeah, and I came up with a couple of test workouts for Derek to do. I think, how many? Five, I think. Yeah. It was either like five or ten or whatever. And there's a bunch of different time domains that they would be and, and some movements. Again, like low skill, higher intensity. Some have running. Some have just like pure strength type stuff. And with those, ideally, we'd like to test another one of those. They're not fun. The version on beep test is not fun at all, but it's, it's a test. It's like, how well can you deal with this? So it's still going to suck just as much as you did it the first time. You're still going to have that max heart rate. You're still going to be like, my, you know, my lungs are going to burst out. My mouth is bleeding. But how far you got or how much faster you did with that I'm going to die feeling is is where you would find the the biggest results so that that was already thought of of like i was talking to derek I'm like hey what would you want to be good at and he was like ideally something that like makes you really tired and out of breath like obviously this is very basic terms but it was more specific but like something that makes you really tired and then being able to do something explosive or lift something heavy and then do something that's tired and then something explosive or something strong or something that makes you lift a lot and then do something and like a little bit of rest and then getting back at it similar to like a jujitsu match where it's like a little bit of a scramble and then a pause a scramble and a pause or a, a slightly longer scramble. switching from aerobic to anaerobic like over and, and, over, and over and over, explosive, over holding, tension, and then I notice like all the guys like tension-wise, like holding a position, no problem. But like constantly repping out a position where they're going through full range of motion, like the assault bike, just their you could just see their muscles and their their lactic threshold just like collapsing in on them like they just <laughs> they just couldn't handle. So it. I think like we talked about this the other day, like um, like a guy that I really look to. Or, or was looking at, especially like when we were thinking about this stuff, um, someone, if you're at all interested in looking at him, is um, this guy, Zach Evanesh. We talked about him a little bit yesterday. He's um, a strength and conditioning coach. Like his big thing is like high school athletes, but he was also the strength and conditioning coach for um, Lehigh University wrestling team. And they had like a really good year when he was that strength coach. But like he does stuff like, and we do stuff like this too, if you look at the programming, is like, he goes from heavy deadlifts to box jumps and like supersets them back and forth. This is pretty much the exact same thing that we're talking about. It's like, so if you program stuff like that, like 
actually my next workout is a benchmark workout or, that, or, or a test is a test workout that Elliot and it's that sumo deadlift high pull box jump workout mm-hmm. and this, this is the second time that you've done this yeah I have to do okay. it that's the next workout I'm gonna do I'm very curious how, how like I, I'm excited to hear like hear the progress I'm actually interested in because I feel like um and I mean, there's no way to know until I test it, whatever. But I almost feel like I might get the same time or same um, same amount of rounds because it's, a, it's a round, as many rounds as possible workout. I might get the same amount of times, but just feel better doing it. You know what I mean? Because I feel like I'm not moving any faster, but like weight is getting lighter and my legs aren't as like fatiguing as fast you know what i mean like so i feel like i'm like that's that's my only thought is when i see the workout again and think about how i'm feeling i'm like i don't feel like i'm moving any faster you know what i mean like I, but i feel like doing sumo deadlift high pulls at that weight i'm gonna be like oh like this is like not that bad you know what i mean and doing and doing box jumps is gonna be like oh it's not that bad except for when I did it the first time, my legs were on fire and I could barely lift the weight. <laughs> and there's also a little bit of like problem with the the testing method. It's it's obviously imperfect, but sometimes you'll do a workout and get a, a certain score, like a workout that I like to do and kind of base myself off of. But it's it's difficult is like a hundred burpees and a hundred kettlebell swings for time, and you can break it up however you want. So the first time you do it, let's say you think, okay, I'm just going to knock out the kettlebell swings because I like those, and then just do a hundred burpees in a row and then so you get a time of 10 minutes let's say and then someone says hey why don't you do 10 and 10 over and over so you don't have to take any breaks you just do 10 kettlebell swings and it's like did you actually get fitter or did you just get better at taking the test and or just more proficient or more efficient at making that move so i tried to design these workouts to where you would truly have to just engine wise like the low skill movements if you ride a bicycle or the assault bike, and you do it consistently faster, your mile time on the assault bike goes faster. I don't think your technique of your assault biking got any better. I mean, it might have a little bit, but if you're breaking your mile time by like a minute on the assault bike, it's not like, oh, I really, unless it was something huge, like, oh, the first time I was like, I was wearing a scarf or something like that, so... (laughs) <laughs> or like oh i had a roll of quarters in my mouth like that was, that was it's way easier like that or like tucking your chin or like you know stuff like like little things like that but most likely with the lower skill that'll give you a really good reflection on if you actually got better so i feel like a lot of it too is like you need to know how you feel you know what i mean like i feel like uh Like I said, I may not necessarily be moving faster, but I feel like I feel a lot better doing the movement. You know what I mean? Like, fucking, what did he make me do the other day? Oh, it was, um, I forget what the, I always forget what the rep scheme is, but it was burpees, lunges, and box jumps. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, oh, it was 10 burpees, 20 lunges total so 10 on each leg and 10 box jumps for like as long as i could or as many as i could in 10 minutes and i felt like my legs didn't give out as fast as they would have before you know what i mean like 
They definitely, and I, like, that was the thing I told Elliot was like, I feel like my rest came in the burpees, which is crazy because the rest of it was all just leg fatigue. Yeah. And my quads felt like they were going to explode. So in other words, you're just, you're, you are getting stronger, but your, your, your endurance is, is, is getting better at the same time. Right. Yeah. I feel like my, my muscular endurance is the thing that I probably noticed the most out of the, uh, the programming so far I feel like especially and I, I think it's going to be different for everybody because I think people kind of play to their strengths and weaknesses anyway within the programming you know what I mean mm -hmm. and I feel like my gas tank and my engine has never been good and I think it's more of a mental thing you know what I mean like I like my ADD kicks in before I actually get tired <laughs> so I'm like I'm not gonna ride this assault bike for 10 minutes in like two minutes and I'm like I don't want to ride this assault bike anymore. <laughs> where I like, but if it's like muscular fatigue, where I like, I'm just, I can concentrate on being under load, you know what I mean? Rather than doing that repetitive motion over and over and over again. Like, that's where my advantage is. So I think, like, like I said, like, I think you can, it's going to play to your strengths and weaknesses anyway. You know what I mean? So I've, I've kind of learned how to game the system <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> Awesome. Story time? Story time. Okay, so there I was and uh, in Buds, and we were going on. It was either our first or our second two-mile ocean swim, so we have been working up to multiple lengths. So I think we started out with like a half-a-mile ocean swim with like um, a mask and fins, and then eventually a couple of them were in the bay, and then so like on Coronado Beach, which if you've never been there before... It's like a semi, it's not like a private beach, but unless there's like an event going on, there are not that many people and it's a lot where the, where the seal, the buds training will go on and like the seals will run up and down cause it's right next to the Naval Special Warfare Center. So they're like running up, you normally do beach runs and everything down that beach and everything like that. And usually like the Hotel Del Coronado, very famous and expensive hotel is out there and people sometimes get like married out there and everything so it's a very nice beach i actually saw a picture of people getting married with like yeah. buds happening in the background yeah. well, it's really cool <laughs> and then like in the beach it looks like there's like gold flakes all up and down the, the coastline and everything so it's like it's a very awesome beach obviously if you're ever in san diego or whatever definitely go check out that beach and it's like obviously free to the public or whatever but mm. um go for go there for the fourth you won't be disappointed yeah so with that being said, we had a two-mile ocean swim when we were starting in the, like, the, the compound, the military base, and we had to swim up, like, past the Hotel Dell and back. And it was one of the days where, in San Diego, the water fluctuates a lot, like, depending on if the, the current from Alaska comes down or whatever. So it can go anywhere from, like, 60 degrees or, like, uh, like 57 degrees up to... I don't know, close to like 70. So it can be very warm or like pretty cold, like, you know, Atlantic cold or whatever, like Northeast cold. So it was one of those days where we were kind of waiting around and they were measuring. They always take the temperature for safety reasons. So like they can't let us swim at a certain temperature. And we had like shorty wetsuits on, but with all the training volume and everything, and most of us were just sick and just all that stuff, cold water really affects you. So they were just like, okay. So it was one of those days where they were like, the instructors were mad at us. And they're like, 
waiting around and we could tell that the water was too cold to go swimming, but they were like yelling at us because people were jacked up or whatever. So, um, we, they finally are like, oh yeah, the water's good. And we're like, oh, it's just now good. Like before it was like four degrees. So like basically not saying that the instructors were liars or anything, but I think the water jumped like four degrees and then the corpsman or whatever, the supervisor were just like, oh, okay, then they can swim. So we get out there immediately like ice cold. So we swim out to the first buoy that's like the start line and we're all standing there and I'm like, this is the coldest I've ever felt the water. So I'm just like, this is, this is terrible. So they're like three, two, one, go. We start swimming and I'm like facing, it's like side stroke. So you're kind of like on your side and swimming like with one arm and kicking your fins and everything. And I keep like looking up at the sun to try to get like some warmth on my face while I'm swimming because I'm just so cold and beat down. Like I bet like a normal person or anything like that would be able to handle this type of water. But like we had just run and it was like the middle of the week and it, it, you're just beat down. You have like, you're just, and you're Elias just never had more than 3% body fat. Yeah. So life. I definitely, and I don't have very much insulation at all. I didn't even have much like hair on my body at that time either. So it was just like. I was like, you know, 18 years old, 140 pounds, just like swimming my little heart out. And and you're with a swim buddy. And I just see my swim buddy, like, I keep like looking up or like looking forward and you have to swim like right next to each other within arm's length. So he, and I, he keeps like looking back at me and I'm like swimming as hard as I can. And I'm just like, man, he is swimming so fast today. Like, cause they pair you up with like the certain speed and he keeps like looking back. And the next thing I know, he's kind of just like doggy paddling next to me and I'm going as hard as I can. And then all of a sudden I like, I blink. And then he like is grabbing me by the shoulder and lifting me out of the water. And he's like, come on, man, like, let's go. And I'm just like, yeah, what are you doing? Like, let's go get off of me. And cause I was like, why are you grabbing onto me? Like get off of me, let's swim. So we start swimming again. And then he, he picks, he grabs onto me again, pulls on me. And I'm like, what are you doing? So later I found out he was like, I was swimming and I would just stop and exhale and was just like floating down. So he was grabbing me and lifting me out of the water and being like, Hey man, like, are you okay? And then me being obviously hypothermic at the time was like, get off of me. Like, let's go. Like, why are you guys? So we're swimming or whatever. And then eventually I hear him saying like, I don't know, man. He's like, he's, he's just stopped swimming and he keeps like blowing bubbles in the water. And I see like a kayak come up and he's like, what are you doing? I'm like getting yelled at or whatever. And this is all blurred to me, but he's like kind of backfilling me. So he swims me into the beach. And then I remember like trying to stand up and I'm just like in the waves, just getting knocked up. And he's like pulling me and I'm falling all over the place. And they have an ambulance up on the beach where all these like families are and everything. And they're like, cause at that point you're not supposed to be out of the water. This is like the middle of the swim. So he's like pulling me to the thing and they're like, you better not be faking this. Like, blah, blah, blah. Like nobody's quitting or whatever. Like, what are you doing? Are you here to quit? And I was just like, no. And he's like, what's going on? And he's like, yeah, this guy's like curled up like a cockroach or whatever. So he's like, all right, back in the ambulance. So in the middle of the beach, they open the back of the ambulance doors, rip my wetsuit off and my shorts and my speedo off and just bend me over the back of the ambulance. And he's like, spread them. And I'm just like, what's going on? I had no idea what's going on. And then they anal probe me with a, with a thermometer. And I'm like, <laughs> looking around, I'm just all fucked up. And I look over and he's like, he has my temp my core temperature or whatever, which I think was like 91 or 92 at the time, which is like very low. And he was like, technically, you should be dead right now. And then I like, look over the thing, and that's when I saw it. it was like 92. He's like, stop looking at that. And I was just like, I don't know what's going on. So then, like, all of a sudden, he just, like, he's like, 
put your pants on or whatever. So I put my pants on. He's like, do jumping jacks. Or he's like, do drop down and do push-ups to like try to warm me up or whatever. And it took me like two minutes to get down. He's like, because normally they're like, drop down and give me push-ups. And you just like drop down on the ground and you just start doing push-ups. And he's like, wow, this guy's fucked up. Like, <laughs> and so he's like, do jumping jacks. Stand and face the sun and do jumping jacks. And I just remember being like, <laughs> T-Rex, I'm just going, like wiggling, but not even jumping, just like throwing my fingers up in the air, just like being... A so then, like, they put me in the back of the truck, they drive me back, and they're like, yeah, this guy's out or whatever. They put a hot blanket on me and that thing, and they write on my thing, like, oh, yeah, it was 95 degrees, I think he's faking it, like, he's fine or whatever, and the corpsman's like, no, he's, like, he's out. So then they, they're like, all right, you're good to go. So it was, like, a couple minutes later, I warmed up, and I go to get off of the bench, and I start walking, and I feel, like, this tug, and I'm like, oh, and I was still... They had hooked the, th they kept the thermometer in this, this entire time. I had this fucking anal thermometer in the whole time. I had no idea. And then he was just like, uh, oh, sorry. Cause they like, you just like can plug it into any of their temperature thermometer machines or whatever. So I like unplug it and they're like, just go to the bathroom and take it out. And it was just like one of those times where it was just a very intense situation. <laughs> And I couldn't believe it. And then, like, my swim buddy, like, the next day or whatever, because they were like, all right, you can, like, go to the barracks or whatever, and, like, you're done for the day. And the class was done. That was the last thing we had to do for that day. So, like, go ahead and go to, go to sleep or whatever. And uh, I just talked to him the next day. He's like, dude, I thought you were going to die. Like, it was the weirdest thing. And then they made him go and finish the swim. They were like, go catch up to somebody and swim with them. And uh, apparently a bunch of people that day just came out of the water just because it was, like, so cold or whatever. And uh, so, yeah, that's my story of me getting my, my temperature <laughs> changed in the middle of Coronado in front of all these families. Like, just, yeah. <laughs> that's a vacation old, I'll never forget. Like, they were just like, I remember like, because like when you're hypothermic, you get like flashes of, of things going on. It's not like you're not like, it's not like being drunk. It's almost like, I guess, being drunk, but then like somebody covering your eyes and every once in a while you get to open your eyes, look around and then close your eyes again. So it was just like, that's like my memory of things. And I remember like seeing people and just like them looking at me like, who is this fucking guy in this wetsuit? Like, who are these military guys like running out, getting yelled at? Oh, he's getting bent over. Uh, it was just, it was very, <laughs> I, and I had forgot about it. And the reason why I remembered it, it was like, fun fact about, I was like, we're writing like the coaching profiles or whatever. And it was like, fun fact about yourself. And I started like writing this and I was like, wait, that's not a very fun fact. I thought it was interesting though. <laughs> That it happened to me. Decided <laughs> to share. And it rewards the people that stayed till the end of the podcast. <laughs> there you go. Like that. <laughs> On that note, <laughs> I think I don't think we can get any better than that. No. Thanks for listening. T. Elliot, feel anal probed. <laughs> <laughs>